0: Welcome, folks, to Episode 7 of the Michiana People Podcast. Before I talk about my guest for this episode, I wanted to put an invite out there for all the musicians listening. I'd like to get an original intro tune for the show. could have words about the show or just a nice instrumental of 15 to 30 seconds. I think it'd be really cool to have a local artist featured at the beginning of the podcast, and I have to say I can't offer anything in the way of payment, but you will get credit for the intro music and have my eternal gratitude. If you're an Interested? shoot me an email at scott at michiana com. thanks guys in this episode i talked to dave van dyke dave almost brought me to tears with this song about mr rogers it was uh it was so good uh, we had a great conversation that went from music to teaching to the daughters of the Re- american revolution and dave's 105 year old grandmother uh, it was a great it was a very good conversation Sponsors for the Michiana People podcast include Mapletronics Computers, If you're a home user or a business with a large computer network, Mapletronics will listen to your needs and help you get your computer or network to meet your expectations. Go to mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana people for an absolutely free gift just for listening to the podcast. Our other sponsor is MSW Marketing Services. Grant from MSW made my website, helped me with uh, some social networking and marketing, and uh, actually designed the logo for the website. Grant does a great job. Uh, he's a, a genius at managing your uh, social media. Can find Grant at Facebook.com forward slash MSW Michiana and tell him I sent you. Finally, I want to hear your feedback and your guest ideas. Uh, tell me what what you think and who you think I should be talking to. You can shoot me an email at Scott at or message me on the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Michiana People Podcast. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tell your friends. Hi folks, welcome back to the Michiana People Podcast. Our guest today is dave van dyke dave is a founding member of the van dyke review band a middle school science teacher at clay intermediate center he also holds a phd from andrews university and has completed five marathons dave you're a real renaissance man (laughs) thank you (laughs) you for coming in hey uh, you know i've got some things i want to talk about why don't we go right into one of your original songs all
1: right so this is a song about uh let me give it a second. It's called "143 Means I Love You." Okay. And um, I was right. I wrote this album, which we're going to talk about. In the right. last song, uh, my wife and I, she brought me a YouTube clip of Mister Rogers with uh, a little boy that was in a wheelchair. Uh uh-huh. have A son that's disabled. That I okay. By that, then I did some research into him, and I found that the man was a living saint. Yeah. Uh-huh. So well loved that when he lived in Philadelphia, his car was stolen. Uh huh. The next, he went on the radio and said, "My car was stolen." Came outside and the thieves had returned his car with a note on the windshield that read, "If we knew it was you, we wouldn't have taken it in the first place." Wow. <laughs> and so he had a number, a number that he perseverated on, called one hundred forty-three. Uh-huh. And that corresponds with his favorite
2: sentence. Um, okay.
1: One has. 1-I-4-L-O-V-E-3-U Y-O-U
2: Oh, wow. So
1: I love you, you just say that. So here's a song I wrote about Mr. Rogers.
3: When I was a little bitty boy I would come home after school And a man would tell me he loved me And that everything was cool Math made no sense to me. Jim was like hard labor. But Mr. Rogers became my friend and I became his neighbor. Cause 143, it means I love you. And I love you each and every way. Come on over here, come be my neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor today? Was a dark mouth drop out, but he laid out for his kids. And once he met my cousin, and he checked out her new digs. In every way, he was colorblind, He did not castigate. He said God loves you just the way you are. Anyhow, at any rate, 143 it means I love you, and I love you each and every way. Come on over here and be my neighbor Won't you be my neighbor today? Well, every time I put on a sweater He put on his inside shoes The train to the land of make-believe Would always take away my blues When I got a little older Eddie Murphy misspoke. What was wrong with Mr. Rogers? I said I did not get the joke. 143, it means I love you. And I love you each and every way. Come on over here, come be my neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor today? At the end he did an encore, a final curtain call. He said, don't you be afraid now, Mr. Rogers loves you all. I don't know about TV, and I don't know about showbiz, but if there is a heaven, well, I sure know where he is. Cause 143 means I love you, and I love you each and every way. Come on over here, come be my neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor today?
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was great. And that's a first on the uh, Michiana People podcast. We got some live music. Now, the title of that track is 143 Means I Love You. And that is a moving piece of work. I really like Thanks. that. I
1: appreciate that. I'm playing my wife's. My guitar is actually getting repaired. Uh-huh. The band has taken a couple, taken about three weeks off. My dad had surgery, so I'm getting my acoustic
0: repaired.
2: The okay.
1: Live. This is my wife's D250.
2: Okay. So I've been, okay. I've
1: had this guitar for at least 35 years now.
0: Wow. That's it's got some nice tone to it.
1: Thanks. I busted it in college, but Somebody (laughs) fixed the neck and made it sound better than it did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's nice.
2: Thank you.
0: Now, I wanted, I I normally start at the beginning, but I kind of want to start at the middle with you. We, uh, uh, the, the thing that really got me is when, when we were corresponding before the interview, you sent me a track called, uh, Evil Knievel Never Died. Right. And I listened to it and I fell in love immediately. So I started researching a little bit more about you and, and, uh, doing the Google thing and doing the YouTube thing. So, what I want to do is I want to do, I want to list the tracks on the, your CD, A Decade of David and the Goliaths. Okay. And then I just want to talk about how you came about putting these songs together. Track one is Evil Knievel Never Died. Track two is Petty, Patty Hearst Got Taken That Night. Track three, Ode to JD. Track four, Swimsuit Barbie Doll. Track five, Rotten Sleazy Crook. Track 6, Glacier of Tears. Track 7, Tricky Dick Was Bad. Track 8, No Love From This Canal. Track 9, The One We Heard, 143 Means I Love You. Track 10, Ali. So... From what I read is uh, you watched a, a documentary on evil Knievel, right. and you told me you were born in 71 but you totally became enamored with the 70s and you wanted to do a concept album that kind of puts all the bullet points of the 70s together that's that's what I got tell tell me about tell me about that
1: I will um I'm trying to remember all the things that are on the album. So, <laughs> so it started, um, I have a, he's, he's passed away now. I have, I have a friend who had a, a nas- an international limerick contest. Okay. So um, I kind of got obsessed with limericks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I started to write them, and, and I found that one of them, I wrote a bunch of limericks about evil uh Knievel, uh-huh. and I put it to music. It okay. In, and I, I read that There's a good book by Lee Monville, uh, about Evil Knievel's life. The only uh-huh. difference between you and me and Evil Knievel is that he was willing to get hurt really, really <laughs> badly. So right. Would, like you didn't, today when you see Daredevils, they know exactly what they're going to do and they're not right. nearly as, as at much risk. No. Evil Knievel would just show up and there was about one out of every five times he had some horrific crash and they're.
0: He, he really did risk right. his life
1: to do those things. Yeah.
0: Right? See, I'm a little bit older than you, yeah. so I was of the age that I was watching all these as they happened. I watched yeah. Snake River Canyon. Uh-huh. I watched, I watched him jump all the cars, the vans, and and all that. And I saw saw live the bones being broken. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, he he wasn't, and he did it without shocks or right. Yeah. And he would just. He was more a showman. More a showman than anything else. He right. Was, somebody would break his record of thirteen buses, and he'd say, "Hey, give me fourteen. We'll do it one more time." Uh huh. And he would just do that. He right. Would, uh, he was uh, not a good person, especially as a hardcore alcoholic, and uh-huh. wasn't kind to his wife or other people. But that doesn't make him less interesting. Right.
0: Right. So that was kind of that was kind of the nucleus of 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 all that, and then you just. Took it, took it all the way through the seventies. It looks like
1: I did. What was the next track?
0: (laughs) Got, Patty Hearst got taken that night.
1: Oh yeah, that was real interesting. That was a neat progression. It was just, um, it started out A F sharp D E, which is kind of the same progression that you might play uh, Unchained Melody. Okay, but it's got a different tempo. Okay, a different tempo, and my father added violin to it. Okay, Uh, so that's good. the only track that I, that I'm not that I'm somewhat reluctant about is about um, I w- wrote one about Dick Nixon because I needed a uh-huh. killer. and I had read there's a really funny essay that Hunter s Thompson wrote when when Richard Nixon died it was called he was a crook uh-huh and I got a lot of flack for the song I didn't even yeah <laughs> Richard Nixon resigned when I was like three right so right. Know anything about him? but yeah. apparently he has his fans out there. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: know. I know Watergate kind of interrupted my cartoons for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Was, <laughs> so
1: that was so. Yeah, people listen to that, and it's not yeah. vain with the album, but
0: yeah. Well, I can say I was I was I was fascinated when you sent me that that song, and then uh, there's there's a documentary on uh, YouTube where you you pretty much play the entire album in yeah. live settings. Uh, and I'll I'll post a link to that when I okay. when I post this. But uh, I think it's uh, I, I just think it's really cool. Um, so you say your, your your dad plays violin. You must have grown up musically then. I did.
1: I. Playing a band currently with my father and he plays three instruments
2: okay
1: he plays the violin the piano and the guitar okay and i play the guitar and the harmonica and the lap dulcimer okay um so i do that and he he started me playing when i was about 13. Mm-hmm. it's been it's been a long time
0: right, right. Yeah. And you, uh, you, you sound very accomplished. You played a little bit before we started, and, and then and, and, and that song uh, sounded very well too. Tell me a little bit about your your relationship to uh, Roger Ebert. Oh, he's uh, the one that started
1: the Limerick
0: contest. Uh, <laughs> he he started the Limerick contest. He has um
1: or had, excuse me, he and his wife uh, Chaz had a house in Harvard, um, which is near where I live, uh-huh. near New Buffalo. Okay. And he liked the band. Mm-hmm. You know, the band released music and liked it and started corresponding. And he was nonverbal because he uh-huh. die right. and removed his throat. So he and I went back and forth on email and I joined his kinda Ebert blog world. Uh uh-huh. and he promoted my album. And then when I I wrote my dissertation um, he was really. I, I. was a science teacher mm-hmm. for a long time. I wrote my dissertation. He asked me if he could post it on his website, so I did, and overnight, you know, many, many thousands of people had read my dissertation. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, an interesting story. He wrote a book in 1986 called "The Perfect London Walk." He wrote. He co-wrote it. Okay. And I went to London in 2013. on my last day there i called my wife and she told me or on my last day there i called my wife and she told me that roger ebert had died on april 4th and as i'm sitting here i had copied off the itinerary on his book right before i did that and i went Uh on the walk in london that he had written about oh wow Hampstead heath so i i went there early in the morning and I made a rubbing of a monument uh-huh and i sent it to his wife and i went to highgate cemetery and i'm certain that i was the only person that was in on his london walk because was nobody else there right it was there the morning that he passed away wow about that book,
0: that's what wild. i
1: don't know if that's serendipitous or not but yeah I, mean, I didn't plan it that way right it just
0: happened. that's a neat connection so with with all with with all the music, it, it's a little bit odd to me that a uh, musician, a a left brain type person, is uh, uh, teaching science. Do you just use both sides equally, or <laughs> how does that work for you? Well, I,
1: I became an administrator two years ago. Okay, it's an old fact sheet. Oh, okay, um, I I don't know. It's just something that I was always interested in. Mm-hmm. I you know honestly, I went to college mm-hmm. and. My advisor, a very nice lady named Bernice Schultz, said, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, maybe I'll be a teacher. And she said, okay, just sign up for
2: this. Okay.
1: And as I was going through college, by the time I got around to thinking about changing my major, I had a year to go. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. So I just did it. I just finished it. Uh And then I worked in social services for about five years at west. Got the got my wanderlust out, and mm-hmm. I came back and I applied for a teaching position through the Southern School Corporation. And the first place I I interviewed it was a middle school. Mm-hmm. James Knight hired me, and I stayed in the same classroom for 15 years. Wow. I just taught science, and I had to get my endorsement. and Just mm-hmm. kind of fell in love with it. Cool. Since then, and. I liked it. I liked teaching natural history so much that I wrote my dissertation on evolution.
0: Okay, great. So,
1: I, mean, right, That's how it progressed.
0: Right. So, are you uh, in in the camp that thinks that uh, you've been teaching in in administration for a while? Do you think kids are any different than than they were when you were a kid? No, I
1: don't think that I, I don't think that they're any different. I do think that family structure is different mm-hmm. um, because we have parents that work a lot more we have a lot more single parent families mm-hmm. um, I think that essentially for the most part kids are the same it's the same as they've been for a long time right they they learn the same they have different expectations but for the for the most part I don't think they're that different right because kids all, all kids can learn regardless of the variables they carry with them
0: right what do you think uh are the pluses and minuses of uh technology the the way technology's evolved since we were kids
1: oh i love talking about this so you know the world changed when the internet came along right it, it changed and i, I Nowadays, kids have instant access to information mm-hmm. when I went to school you got the card catalog yeah I went and looked up a book and summarized it uh-huh. now the kids have it instantly right um, I I think that I think the technology should support good pedagogy mm-hmm. and not replace it right it's not teaching is both an art and a science mm-hmm. um, and the art is knowing children and working with them and finding out what to do and thinking on your feet.
2: The mm-hmm. science
1: is very research based. The technology supports the science. Right. It's support. I, I do think eventually we're gonna to go to a like a bookless, a paperless mm-hmm. uh, classroom.
0: Right. I'm already seeing some of that. It's, yeah. It's just not needed anymore. Right. Right.
1: You can find that kids still have to think critically. They still need to do the same things and challenge themselves.
0: Right, that's one. The, the, you mentioned something uh, right there about the critical thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes the the instant search, the instant Google search mm-hmm. can replace critical thinking in 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 some cases and that's that's the one thing that that worries me a little bit and then uh we were talking beforehand and i've got two two grown children but they grew up in the internet age we had internet from from the time that they were born pretty much and uh and i that's one of the things i worried about but it turned out not really to be much of a problem but we yeah. we always made sure things were turned off at, at the right time too well, I think
3: it, you
1: know you have to be discerning mm-hmm. just, the internet is a tool right it's like your pencil is a tool right and the the watch the whiteboards and all the other things that teachers use their tools to support them
0: right right
1: it doesn't you know if you do it as long as i have you find that Technology will come and go, and somebody will say, "Well, look, this will change everything and make your scores go."
0: And it yeah. just doesn't work. Like right, that. right. You got you got to work that brain. Right, absolutely. And the great thing about technology is 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 we corresponded, and I was able to find out everything I want to know about you within about fifteen minutes. So yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I would say that's part of it that, that kind of scares me a little bit. Uh huh. Would- yeah. <laughs> okay. I I can go into my my school library Mm -hmm. and I can have a fourth grader find a picture of my house looking inside my window from Google Earth. Yeah. You know, if a fourth grader can do that at a public school, I kind of wonder what somebody who really wants to do it could do.
2: Right, right. If they
1: can do that, they can find... If a nine-year-old can do that on a public school computer, Uh then... Then anybody who really wanted to could find out a whole lot more about me than I want them
0: to know. Right, right. They, it, it can be intrusive. Uh, as a, and I would call myself an uber mu- music fan um, mm-hmm. who does not play music That's except right. for on the radio and the right. stereo. Um but uh I went through a period of time where I didn't think any of the new music was any good. And it was just because there was such a barrage of it mm-hmm. that I couldn't I couldn't piece it out. Uh do you do you have any uh bands, the uh, either indie bands or bands that nobody's heard or heard of that you like to follow?
1: Somewhat. Honestly I I like a lot of the local groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, um, I like a, a group called Hey Annie. Which okay. Is, which is, um, it's the father of one of my students. Okay. I like going to see them. Um, I like the Ember Jar. I like to listen to Dina, Dina, Dina play. Okay. Which is pretty good.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, Jetta Jetta and the Jelly Beans, they were a kid's group. My son uh-huh. My son liked them quite a bit. I uh, Honestly, I, I play it. It's my own fault. It's my own fault because I'll just book gigs perpetually. Uh-huh. <laughs> but honestly, I'll play Friday and Saturday nights so often, and uh-huh. that, when I actually get one off, I don't go hear other music. I just stay home.
2: And yeah, cook.
0: decompress a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and and I found that. I can't really go look for it. I ha- it has to come to me organically. So mm-hmm. if I if I hear that somebody else likes something, then I'll I, I might check it out. And I I kind of just build a, what I call a small music family tree based on what I already like. And then when I see they like somebody else, then I go that way. There are some
1: there are some songs that I like so much mm-hmm. that I refuse to that I'll refuse to learn how to play them and won't play them live uh-huh. because then they'll kill it for me. Yeah. Like, I I love this song. You know. I used to love Fire and Rain, uh-huh. but now that I play it all the time, yeah, <laughs> play it for people all the time, it's lost its allure. Yeah. So there are a whole bunch of those other songs that, I just kind of forced myself to listen to.
0: Him yeah, to learn how to play. yeah. I just listened to an interview with uh, James Taylor, and uh, boy, he's he's had an interesting life. He certainly has. and he's taking it very well. The you know the problems he's been through, but man, uh, he he came out of it, and uh, a lot of people wouldn't have. Do you know yeah. the Beatles
1: discovered him? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. When he sings with a
3: holy host of others standing uh-huh. around me. That's
1: who he's referring to. Oh, okay. The Beatles discovered him in, in Abbey Road studio. Oh, okay. He wrote, he wrote Fire and Rain about a person who had committed suicide uh-huh. while he was there. Wow. He couldn't get, when he says, just yesterday morning, let me know you were gone. Right. He had just found out, he had spent time in a mental hospital. Right. He was uh, suffering from heroin addiction. hmm he was doing all that introspective songwriting while he was there,
2: but right he was famous. Yeah,
0: yeah. That he—he's definitely had a life. Now you've written some children's music as well, right? right.
1: I write lots of kids' songs because I needed the money. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, because I needed the money. Uh-huh. And when I taught, it was a lot easier if I could entertain them with my guitar. Uh huh. But um. I host a children's music series, entertainment series called Stop, Lunch, and Listen in Buchanan. Okay. And that starts at noon, I think. I think on June 7th, but don't quote me on that. It's every okay. Thursday I'm on June 7th, and we have about 50 to 100 kids, and I always play a few songs first and then introduce the act. That's not true. 52. We've had upwards of 500 kids. Wow. There, but. I wrote lots of children's songs. One I like a lot is by my my son. When he was little, he used to really obsess about fire trucks. Uh-huh. So we wrote a song called the Fire Safety Song. Uh-huh.
3: Should you play with matches? No, that's why we keep them out of reach. Should you play with chemicals? Stay away from ammonia and the bleach. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs>
0: Well, I got got lots of those. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, I have
1: lots of those, but yeah, I I, I don't. I only think I've only recorded a couple of them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, being being able to just light up a kid, you know, I, I I know you're doing it to to supplement the income, but being able to light up a kid's life for a little while is really cool. Oh,
1: the kids like it, and I would. When I taught, I discovered that my students absolutely loved it if I included their name in a song. Uh-huh. It's like so, on their birthday, instead of singing "Happy Birthday," I'd compose a little compose a little tune for them. A little personal do. tune. That's neat. Out of hand because you do it for one. And they
0: right. So, are you still are you still running marathons? Are you still training for um, them? Or
1: I am going to run my. I'm not doing marathons. I did my sixth and last one. Last a couple years ago, I did I donated a kidney to my mom. Okay. In April, and my marathon days are behind me. Okay. So I do a couple half. Right. I'm gonna do a half the, the sunburst in June. Uh uh-huh. So I'm kind of sort of training for that. Yeah. Is there? I, <laughs> I'm as much as I practice for it, I should be better at it. I'm just terrible yeah. at it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm just terrible. My. My best time is well over
0: four hours. Uh huh. Well, just doing it is is a big thing. I've I've got a few friends that do it, and you know, I've I've got one that's that's my age is going to run his first in Nashville here in uh, June, I believe. So. Oh
1: yeah, I've heard good things about the Nashville Marathon. Yeah, I've done Chicago three times. I've done uh, one, in Ohio. I've done. I know before. I mean, one. In one in Grand Rapids, which I liked a lot, mm-hmm. and I did one in, indoor marathon in Goshen a couple years ago.
2: Okay, okay.
0: So when you're not administrating and playing music and everything else you have to do, what what other hobbies do you get into?
1: I like to write. Okay, um, I'm writing. My father just had surgery. Okay, and his house is like a museum. Okay. Um, it's an it's a barn that was put up in 1922. Okay, barn. and he he's an artist. Uh huh. So his art, his hands are everywhere. Okay. And I wrote about um, a manse, which is a, a stained glass window from a manse. Okay. That he's put into his house. It came from a Presbyterian church in Chicago, Uh and he's got some beams that are at least 150 years old. Wow. That are inside, and I've, so to pass the time, I've been writing about that. Okay. And, um, because I've spent a lot of time over there. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just a really fascinating thing. He's made, um, his walk is made of bedrock Uh from his grandfather's farm in Pennsylvania. So he took his... Beat up old truck and drove it, twelve hours to his great to his grandfather's farm. Right, and got some rocks, and some bedrock out of the creek Uh-huh. and be in it for Bowling or the name. So every time he steps on that, he's reminded of his ancestors.
0: Cool, isn't that fascinating? That is really neat. Maybe maybe I should talk to him uh, one of these days. No, I think he'd like that. He's- <laughs>
1: He's a very interesting
2: person.
0: Yeah, well, I know. Uh, I know. I'm going to have my dad on. Uh, and we're going to talk about family history oh, and okay. he's and uh, his time in the Boy Scouts. So we're gonna. That's going to be a future show too.
1: He he, he was a teacher too. I'm okay. Actually, I'm actually a fourth generation teacher. Uh-huh. Uh
0: huh. My great grandfather Thomas,
1: who died when I was very young, and I don't remember him, started the first public school. In a coal mining town called Wyano, Pennsylvania. Okay. With my grandmother, my grandmother is still alive at 105 years old. Wow! I just saw her on Easter. They started the first public high school. and mm-hmm. She taught her own brothers and sisters, and then uh-huh. moved to Michigan where I live because she got a teaching job there. She married my my grandfather and had my father. Uh huh. I'm a fourth-generation teacher, as is my wife and my sister-in-law, uh-huh. just about everybody. I have a family joke. i uh, say that we're all smart and we're all broke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of how, how you slice and dice it when you get into teaching. Yes. And it, sh- it shouldn't be like that, but that's the way it is. I'll tell you
1: a neat story about it. And I did not know this. I didn't know this until real recently. So she's into genealogy. Uh-huh. She traced her genealogy all the way back to her roots in Scotland, England.
0: Uh-huh. That's that's where my family's French. from, too. Yeah.
1: Well, um, yeah, they're all Presbyterians, which is where the Scottish church uh-huh. started. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she had a relative named Captain Philip Reagan who fought in the Revolution. Okay. So I said to her, you know, Grandma, why don't you be a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution? Uh-huh. And she told me she wouldn't do it because way back in like 1935, I don't know the year, but uh-huh. in the 30s, Marian Anderson, was African-American contralto, wanted to sing at Constitution Hall. Uh-huh. And the Daughters of the American Revolution wouldn't do it.
2: Oh. So
1: Eleanor Roosevelt withdrew her membership. Uh-huh. And for all those years that i known her, for all those years that I'd known her, I didn't know that Eleanor Van Dyke might my paternal grandmother wouldn't be a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Now, the DAR has since apologized for that. that right. Was, you know, 70 years ago. Right.
0: But Well, good didn't. good for her and good for Eleanor Roosevelt. Yeah, well, That's to, something I didn't know. Well, you want to
1: hear something wonderful? So then, um, I have a lot of African American kids, and they took a whole lot of pride in Obama's election. Uh-huh. All politics aside, they would be right. proud of it. So I, I made sure that when he, when he took the oath of office for the inauguration the first time that the kids were there and they could see it. I went uh-huh. to the library and turned the TV on, and one little boy stood up and applauded. Uh-huh. And I thought, man, that's really cool. Yeah. So I called his mother from home that night. I called his mother and said, "Lauren did this," and I was so uh-huh. proud because the other <laughs> the other people didn't care at all.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, it
1: was just boring to him. But, yeah. And and then I told her the story of my grandmother, and she said, "You know, a whole lot of white folks helped us with civil rights too." Mm-hmm. And I was just so I'm getting chills just thinking about how how much that meant to me.
0: How oh proud yeah. Me that she wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's and, that's big.
1: And even more so is that I didn't even know about it. Uh-huh. That she didn't call attention to it.
0: Right, yeah, that's that. That that is a really neat story. Well, Dave, I'm going to post links to your website oh. and Facebook page. But uh, just uh, can can you let us know how to f- uh, find out wh- when the band's playing? Yeah, and also how to get this wonderful <laughs> CD that you uh, that you Thanks. kindly gave me a copy of. <laughs> you
1: can get everything at VanDykeReview dot org. Okay, V A N D Y K E. R E V U E dot org. Okay. And I also gotta give a plug to my mom. My mom is a minister for the disabled. Okay. And um she Started her own ministry because I have a brother that is disabled, uh-huh. and in his name, it's called Lovability. Okay. She's put that together for a long time. It's okay. Lovability.org.
0: Okay, and I'll make sure to post a link to that okay. when I post our interview. Folks, don't turn off your computer or your player just yet because uh, following this interview, I'm going to let you preview a track from a decade of David and the Goliath titled Evil Knievel never died, and that's kind of how I, I uh fell in love with Dave's music. Thanks for tuning in and Dave, thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. He made uh Dave actually made the drive all the way to Mishawaka to uh my my house to do the interview and I appreciate that. Thanks, Dave.
4: Thank
0: you. Evil Knievel was a daredevil who rode a motorcycle in the sky, put a helmet on his
4: head, and everybody said that evil Knievel never die. Evil Knievel never die Evil Knievel was a daredevil who rode a motorcycle in the sky Put a helmet on his head and everybody said that Evil Knievel never die Evil Knievel never die. David and Goliath stories that were mostly a lie. Wild Turkey and his cane, people said he's insane. And evil can evil never die. Evil can evil never die. Tried to jump Snake River Canyon. In a sky cycle, the wooden fly. Well, he rode the X2, and he rode for me and you. And evil can evil never die. Evil can never die. A parachute popped, engine failure. And we thought evil was gonna fry. But covers were a breeze back in the 70s, and evil can never die. No evil can never die Evil finally died, no seven. At his funeral there war to dry eye. At McConaughey, kind of hate you're just a K, and Evil Knee will never die. Evil Knee will never die Evil Knee will
2: never die.